0: Welcome everyone to Healing, Hope, and Restoration. I'm your co-host, Tiffany.
1: And I'm Howard. And today, Tiffany, we have a special guest with us.
0: We absolutely do. Who do we have with us today?
1: Today, folks, we have Dr. Stephen A. Hammond who uh, was one of the founders of the Antioch Group back in July of 1996. Uh, Currently, he is just serving uh, at the Antioch Group as a psychologist, uh, specializing in forensics and an excellent clinical counselor. Uh, going way back, he was my uh, supervisor for uh, a few years, and uh, and then he couldn't take me anymore, so he handed me <laughs> off to Dr. Breitmeyer. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, it's such a pleasure to have you, Dr. Hammond. I've had mm-hmm. years of experience with you, both as a colleague and a friend, and uh, you're well respected uh, in your place of employment, and it's just a pleasure to have you come and talk to us today.
0: I got to throw my bit in here before because that was great. You know, I think you hired me. You mentored me. I have (laughs) learned so much from you and have just great respect for you all around. And so welcome to the broadcast.
2: Thank you. It is nothing but a pleasure to be here with you, too.
0: Wonderful. So Howard, you know, we kind of fly by the cuff some days, but you know, today we have a laid out topic that I think is very timely. So what are we talking about today?
1: I think it's important, uh, especially uh, post COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know about the rest of the world, but I've observed uh, an uneasiness and an anxiety and a tension. Uh, in our society uh, since that time, kind of a benchmark if you want to look back a few years. And one of the topics that is so relevant to good mental health and positive relationships is resilience. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dr. Hammond, uh, thank you for introducing this topic to our audience today and bringing to light how important resilience is. Oh, my pleasure. It's a it's a topic that I come
2: up against uh, both personally and professionally all the time. So there's a, I've got a lot of interest in it.
0: Absolutely. So let's jump right in. Let's jump right in with some definitions.
2: Sure. Well, originally, resilience is an engineering term. It uh, refers to how well an object, like a bridge, for example, uh, springs back into place after some object like a semi drives across it does it is it able to go back into its original shape hmm. um, psychologists have borrowed that term and applied it to mean the ability to adapt which is to stay well and keep growing as a person in the face of adversity adversity such as uh, trauma having been abused being in combat tragedy loss of a loss of a loved one's cancer uh, threats, being in debt, those kinds mm-hmm. of, uh, of things. And it's mm-hmm. a pretty important concept in today's world as you mentioned, Howard, not only in our country, but worldwide where 84 million people are displaced as refugees. Hmm.
1: Yes. And when I look at the current national disasters that are going on and the death that has resulted from them, mm-hmm. uh, certainly people need to have something to anchor into. That's for sure. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I like that, that picture, that description of, you know, a bridge and a semi crossing it, because I think sometimes in life we feel like we've been like hit by a semi with things. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> and do we have the power to bounce back? So what does resiliency actually involve? What are the components?
2: Well, breaking it down, there are two main factors to consider. One is the uh, first is recovery, which is the ability to return to normalcy after some kind of a stress. For, that is, for example, to not stay bitter down on ourselves or harsh or irritable with others. Recovery, Ooh. psychological recovery. Mm-hmm. The second factor is sustainability. Sustainability, which is the ability to continue to develop as a person, learn new things, maintain your sense of humor, keep up relationships, even after we've experienced some setback or life stress.
0: So to recover and then grow.
2: Right. Right. Yeah, Wonderful.
0: So I noticed that you mentioned, you know, you know, keeping up relationships, you know, does that have a role in resilience?
2: Yeah, I would say not only a role, but I I would refer to relationships as a third factor, along with recovery and sustainability. Do we have sustaining relationships, a third factor in determining how resilient a person can be in the face of some setback? Um, it's good for our mind to have relationships with other people. Let me here jump out and define the mind, by the way. That Hmm. term uh, has various meanings to various people. But when I speak of the mind, I'm speaking of uh, the neural wiring that extends from the tip of our head to the tip of our toe and everything Hmm. in between with three kind of way stations of our mind, one in the head, the brain, one in the chest, the heart, and one in the gut, the stomach. So Mm -hmm. the mind is everything between tip of head and tip of toes with those three way stations. So, you know, yes, uh, uh, relationships uh, play a definite role in determining and, and feeding our resilience in any given situation.
0: So we have talked i think in the past in the podcast of just how critical you know relationships are especially you know from the beginning we talk from like a psychosocial standpoint you know one of the first tasks when you're born is you know establishing a sense of trust particularly like in your caregiver so trust versus mistrust you know as erickson laid out Mm -hmm. and so you know talk a little bit about you know children and how maybe they're born with you know a capacity or potential to like adapt and be resilient because we've talked even that children typically are more resilient even in a therapeutic setting than adults are or maybe bounce back a little faster
2: yeah there's a there's a lot of truth to that well I'll just share a personal belief and that is I believe that all children are born are born with the potential for adaptation uh, to be a person who grows and is resilient but it takes enough uh, at least one good enough caring adult somewhere along in childhood to provide some kind of a relational bond to help that person learn to regulate their own emotions and how to cope in order for that uh, potential for resilience to be realized and to actually become resilience. I'll just go on to say that, that all kids, I think even developmentally disabled kids come into the world, in my term, built for mastery wanting to learn something, how to tie your shoes. Learning that causes a a burst of dopamine, which is the reward neurotransmitter uh, in the brain. But it takes a a good enough caring adult to help define what getting it right means (laughs) and to celebrate getting it right with the child to really anchor that sense of mastery as rewarding.
1: So when I think about that, um, you know, I have an adopted son. He's going to be 31 uh, in October. And he came with trauma, even though he was only a year old. And I, I saw this develop. Now, yes, he's had his problems. And those that know me well know how documented that is. Yet I saw what you're talking about happen in terms of being able to graduate from high school, participate in sports. And develop a phenomenal, almost photographic memory about some things. Mm -hmm. So it does take that caregiver helping to push along that person to realize that potential. I think that's an excellent point. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
0: So to those, you know, teachers, you know, therapists, coaches who are what I like to call those like protective factors in the lives of kids who are, you know, struggling or coming from really difficult places. Like this is huge and greatly encouraging that you can really, you know, help them (laughs) like become even more resilient than they maybe are even already wired to be.
2: Yes. Yeah, that's right. Draws it out. So,
0: you know, especially when talking in the realm of kids, which is very close to my heart, it sounds like, you know, the absence of relationships or really poor relationships in early childhood. We know this, you know, um, research supports this can really affect a person's resilience.
2: Yeah, it really does. affects their, especially their sense of what's been termed agency, mm. which is how much do I believe that my efforts will produce any kind of impact or any kind of result?
0: Yeah. That is so huge. Yeah, so yeah huge. It's it sure is.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of research, and you guys are familiar with it, on kids that were in orphanages that, you know, had their basic needs met, food and mm. shelter and all that, but in terms of relationship, they came up dry. There really weren't, you know, caring adults building into them, so to speak. And those kids became apathetic and had trouble functioning on their own. Um Call me over-optimistic, though. I, I believe that God has endowed each of us with potential that's just waiting to be awakened at any point in life by somebody who cares. I, I remember taking care of a, a young person who had been adopted from Russia and one one of those awful orphanages that mm-hmm. you've heard about mm-hmm. there. And uh, that, that individual, when I first met him, his coping skills were to steal food or take things or whatever the you know, the case might be. Mm-hmm. But he had a couple of parents, uh, adoptive parents who were very dedicated to him, as you were mentioning earlier. And over the course of time, uh, I saw him off and on over a course of several years, and it's like the lights came on. He began to be more responsible, less shady or sneaky about things, less feeling like he had to manipulate the environment in order to get anything and more and more feeling like the environment was there and he can interact with it and it would uh, offer him something.
0: That is so huge. I again work on our child clinic side and I have worked with a number of children who have come out of foster care and who have, you know, later been adopted and I've worked directly with a lot of um, adoptive parents and to see like the progress, you know, not, and not, I think as a direct result of the work that I've done with a child, but because of that loving and caring parent who was willing to endure a lot, maybe absorb even some of the abuse from the child because they were so hurt um, and see them grow and just be so much further along. It is just amazing and night and day, and it didn't happen over a night or over just one day, (laughs) but over the course of time, that growth is just huge. And so I think those examples are amazing, and you you have a few others I think are very pertinent.
2: Yeah, I mean, one perhaps most or of all all of us know about is Helen Keller, who of course mm-hmm. was born uh, both deaf and uh, blind. Mm. She was eight or ten; I don't remember somewhere in that uh, age range when uh, Annie Sullivan first stayed with it, and, and as you put it, uh, Tiffany absorbed mm-hmm. her you know, uh, all the rage and different things that that were pent up inside Helen Keller until she reached Helen Keller. And of course that person, Helen Keller became a world famous, uh, speaker and motivator. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean a little closer to home, this person was never adopted or any of that sort of thing. But I have an aunt who when I was growing up was scared of her shadow, nervous about everything, mm. always worried, always anxious, Anxious that something would happen to one of her kids. Something would happen to her husband. Anxious about her own physical condition. And then in her 60s, one of the worst things that she had always been fearful of did happen. Her husband divorced her. And over the course of a couple of years, and together with a very caring uh, therapist, I saw an amazing metamorphosis, an amazing transformation in this woman who had literally been scared of her shadow she began to take on new challenges she would never have left home alone without one of her kids or her husband to drive her she mm. began taking car trips you know around the state to see relatives all of a sudden uh she went up and at dawn uh in an airplane ride the thing she would have never done and so i i saw this this beautiful mm-hmm. transformation even in a person in her late sixties who had been frightened all her life, it started with you know something not good, but in the company of a caring uh, individual, a caring therapist, and uh, caring family members, and with her faith kind of reconstituted and important to her again, she blossomed.
1: You know, my takeaway from that, Doc, mm-hmm. is that um, regardless of a person's backstory. Uh, history, wherever they've come from and whatever station they are in life. Um, God, through many graces and sources, can help us to have neuroplasticity, that adaptation to to be well and to function again and to live. I think that's a great example. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, yeah.
0: I just picked up what you said and that, you know, it started with something that was like not good. Right. I think in all the work that I've done and I think back to the times that I taught and the students that I saw walk into my classroom, the ones that I would probably characterize as coming from, you know, maybe more difficult places than maybe your average student were usually the ones that were showing up very consistently and you know, had a capacity to endure a lot yeah. um, mm-hmm. versus ones that maybe came from maybe more idealistic, you know, family situations mm-hmm. and maybe Telecontra struggled. <laughs> and <so on>. yeah. <laughs> we yeah. can call it that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe struggled a little bit more with um, maybe more like things that are just part of our common humanity. Yes. And I'm not saying that as a blanket statement. It was just more so an observation, and I thought. In, in seeing that I think you know when we have difficult situations we are you know driven to develop those. Bounce back skills, those resiliency skills. Yeah, absolutely. And so, for helicopter parents, and I could be talking to myself at moments in time. It is okay to
1: (laughs) well, Tiffany, let's call it drone now, (laughs) not helicopter. We we got to update our terminology. (laughs) 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 It's okay to, you
0: know, give them some space to experience some things because it does give space Mm -hmm. um, to develop those skills in the. In relationship with caring individuals, of course. <laughs> right. So when we see resilient people, we see people who have gone through a lot and they seem to be able to bounce back. You know, are are they really like superhuman? <laughs> like, Do they just have a greater ability than the rest of us do? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what,
2: to that answer, is that a question I would answer both no and yes. And I'll explain what I mean here. No in the sense that resilience is something that we all have the potential for. Uh, writing in the American Psychologist journal, the psychologist Ann Maston called resilience "ordinary magic."
0: Oh, I like that. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and and said all it requires to be resilient is quote a human brain in good working order and some knowledge about what is going on and what to do. Can you say quote. that?
0: Can you say that again? Because I think that's like. <laughs> Important to catch for those who are driving right now and listening to this. Absolutely. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mastin said that uh, it was, uh, resilience was ordinary magic, that all it required was a human brain in good working order and some knowledge about what is going on and what to do. Hmm. There's a definition for you, huh? That's great.
0: Hmm.
2: The takeaway from that and the findings from research study after research study is that no, resilient people are not superhuman. Anyone can develop and show resilience.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I I would also come back and kind of uh, the tongue-in-cheek answer, yes, yes, resilient people that I've met uh, are ones that I would almost describe as superhuman. Uh, Henry David Thoreau said that most men lived lives of quiet quiet desperation." That was mm-hmm. his quote. And of course, by man, he meant both men and women. Mm-hmm. Most men and women both li- live lives of quiet de- desperation. And In my 46 years of this kind of doctoring, I, I've adapted that to say, many men and women live lives of quiet heroism. Mm. If we had time, I could share about some of the amazing ordinary magic I've seen and uh, people do over the years. And what amazes me is very often I was the only human being uh, that knew about uh, what the person was doing that might be described by some of us looking on as superhuman. Mm. More importantly, I think God knew, uh, you know, some of these I would call superhuman uh, recoveries and efforts in otherwise ordinary people,
1: you know, and I, I was thinking if you don't mind me throwing in a biblical reference here for a moment. Um, Paul in the new Testament seemed to me to be an example of what we're talking about. Um, he went the gamut from being uh, fairly wealthy, being poor, uh, being free, being jailed, being beaten. Um, and i like what he said in uh, second corinthians chapter four in verse eight and to me this is this is resilience we are affected in every way and afflicted and you know that affliction part but not crushed perplexed but not despairing persecuted but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed yeah. I just think that's a great example you bet. of what we're talking about. And of course, for believers who are listening to the podcast, it's all about cluing into the Holy Spirit and having him uh, drive home these abilities that God has created within us to mine out and experience. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Hey everyone, this is your co-host Tiffany, and this concludes the first part of our episode on resiliency with Dr. Steve Hammond. Stay tuned for part two. The information contained in our podcast and on our social media pages is for informational purposes only. All views expressed are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which we have been, are now, or will be affiliated. The information is not meant to diagnose or treat any mental health condition. If you are experiencing mental health symptoms, we encourage you to contact a mental health provider in your community. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room.